Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. I want to give an introduction to my message today before I actually dive into the message that I would uh, like to bring to you tonight is that um, in my last teaching session last Sunday, if you recall, I taught on the value of spiritual disciplines. And uh, that was for the purpose of development and the purpose of of strengthening our inner man in the Lord, and for the formation, the character formation of the disciple of Christ. I emphasize the fact that these disciplines are given to us for the purpose of keeping us in shape. In other words, spiritually alert and spiritually ready for the work to which God has called us to do. They are to strengthen our inner man as well as renew our mind so that we can subdue the outward man or the flesh with its passions and its desires. They are not to make us more holy or more righteous than we already are. They are not to make us accepted with Christ And they are not for the purpose of earning God's favor or God's blessing. Nothing that we do can add to the finished work of Christ. It's important for us to understand this. Unless we are careful, we will end up falling into a trap, the trap of legalism, by placing our faith and confidence in these practices rather than in the person of Christ himself. You see, the mindset of a legalist or the mindset of legalism has enslaved many believers, making them proud and arrogant, thinking that they can earn God's blessing or God's favor because of what they do rather than what Christ did for them on the cross. That is why my teaching today will focus on breaking free from a legalistic mindset, which empowers the flesh and feeds our pride as a result of self-effort through religious activity. These disciplines that I spoke to you about last Sunday are nothing more than tools which enable the believer to engage God in a meaningful way. I repeat, they are not to earn God's favor, God's love, or blessing. In Christ, God has already blessed us, He has already accepted us. And he loves us unconditionally, whether we practice these disciplines or not. And I want to repeat that. 
These spiritual disciplines, they are not for the purpose of earning anything from God. In Christ, the Lord himself has already blessed us, according to the word of God, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. He has already accepted us in the Beloved, and He loves us unconditionally whether we practice these principles and these disciplines or not. Now, now we're getting into my message that I want to bring to you today. The title of today's message is called Breaking the Mindset of Legalism. Breaking the mindset of legalism. And uh, we're going to read a verse of Scripture from the book of Hebrews, chapter 4 and verse 16. Hebrews, chapter 4 and verse 16. This is what it says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let's read that again. This is, this is one of the most profound promises that we find in the Bible. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, because of Jesus and what he has done on the cross for each one of us, we can come boldly to the throne of grace, not the throne of judgment, the throne of grace, and obtain mercy and find the necessary grace to help in our time of need. Now, to come boldly means you come without fear. It also means without guilt, without shame, without doubt, and without condemnation. That's very important. It means to approach God with full assurance of faith and confidence that when you come to Him, you will obtain mercy and you will find grace to help you in your time of need. With that kind of attitude, in other words, when we come with full assurance of faith and confidence, we receive from God whatever we ask in prayer in accordance with His will. Now, this is the way the Father wants us to come to His throne, whether we come to worship Him or petition Him in prayer. We come boldly, with boldness with confidence, with full assurance of faith. Now let me give you one of the main reasons that our faith is weak at times and struggles to believe God. is because of feelings and thoughts of unworthiness, thoughts of guilt and condemnation. Now, these thoughts and negative emotions are destructive to our walk of faith and, of course, the development of our prayer life. They hinder our faith. They weaken our faith. 
And not only that, but they hinder us from obtaining the very best that God has for us. Why? Because we think we're not worthy. We think that we're not good enough. We think that because of our uh, of our sins, past and present, all of those things are enemies to our faith. No one can truly approach God with boldness and receive from Him if they consider themselves inferior to other Christians or second-class Christians. Now, in reality, there are no second-class Christians in the eyes of God, but only in the mind of the believer. I want to repeat that. There is no such thing as second-class Christians, but only in the mind of the believer. So many in the family of God continue to live below the God-given privileges because they feel unworthy. Thoughts and negative emotions of unworthiness. They don't think they're good enough to receive God's best. And not only that, but they find all sorts of reasons for that. Not smart enough. Others think not educated enough, not pretty enough, not good enough, while others think they're not praying enough, or they're not reading the Bible enough, or they're not fasting enough, and so on, and so many other reasons we find. Now, of course, all such thinking is wrong, because it's based on self-effort rather than the truth of God's Word. God has declared in His Word that the believer in Christ is made worthy and able to receive the blessing of the Lord by faith on the basis of what Christ did on the cross and not on the individual's efforts or behavior. This is, this is very powerful for you to understand. God has already declared His Word that the believer in Christ is already made worthy. He is made righteous. In other words, he is in right standing with God. And as a result of what Christ did on the cross, the believer is able to receive by faith the blessing of the Lord on the basis of what Christ did on the cross and not on the basis of the individual's efforts or behavior. You know, for a long time after I was born again, I strayed into this trap, into this legalistic mindset. And no matter how much I prayed, it just wasn't enough. No matter how, much, how many chapters of the Bible I read, it just wasn't enough. No matter how much I fasted, it wasn't enough. And this mindset, this way of thinking, brought me into the cycle of guilt, and I always felt condemned. And when you feel that way, you are worn out, both mentally and physically, as well as spiritually. And I never seem to be able to shake it off. This, this constant condemnation, not good enough. And this is what we call 
a legalistic approach. And what it does, it puts people into bondage of guilt and condemnation. You see, legalists live in a cycle of condemnation which destroys our confidence and faith in God. They live by rules. They live by regulations. And some of these rules they made up themselves rather than living by faith in God's grace and what Christ has done for us. And to free ourselves from such feelings of guilt and unworthiness, we have to go to the root of this problem and plug up this corrupt tree from its roots. Let me explain to you what legalism is. This is the definition of legalism. The essence of legalism is trusting in a religious activity rather than trusting in God. It is putting our confidence in a practice rather than in a person. And without fail, this will lead us to loving the practice and having confidence on the practice rather than the person of Christ. I want to repeat this because this is so important. Many continue to trust in what they do, in the religious activity rather than in the grace of God. And that's legalism. The essence of legalism is trusting and having confidence in the religious activity rather than trusting in God. It is putting our confidence in a practice or rather on what we do rather than in a person. And without fail, this will lead us to loving the practice more than loving the person. Legalists feel unworthy because they trust in their own efforts rather than in God's grace. And trusting in your own efforts will always cause failure and disappointment. Now, another thing is about legalists, they're very hard on themselves as well as others, very critical, because they measure the worth and value on performance rather than purely on God's grace. This is powerful, folks. They're very hard on themselves as well as others because they measure the worth and value on performance rather than purely on God's grace. A good example of what I'm sharing with you is found in the book of Luke chapter 18. Turn with me to Luke's gospel chapter 18, and we're going to read from verse 9 through to 12. This is Jesus speaking, and he says, And he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week, I give tithes of all that I possess. You see, this Pharisee thought of himself as righteous 
because he based his belief and confidence on his religious activity and on his good works. And he felt justified because of what he was doing. His trust and faith was not in God's grace or his mercy, but rather in his own good works and religious efforts. Now, this kind of attitude will surely lead us to pride and puff a person up. If we could save ourselves through our own efforts, then Jesus died in vain. Why did the Lord have to come down and pay such a price if we could save ourselves through our religious activities? You see, prayer is good. Fasting is good. Giving is good. And we should be doing that. But none of those things will make us any more righteous than we already are. We cannot earn God's blessing by what we do. It's important that we understand that. We receive the blessing of God by faith and not by performance. None of those practices will make us more acceptable to God than we already are, because God has already accepted us in Christ. He has accepted the sacrifice of Jesus, and because we put our confidence in the person of Christ, He has declared us righteous in His sight, holy and acceptable to Him. Now, the Galatian believers fell into this trap, and Paul had to use some unpleasant words in an effort to pull them out of this deception. Listen to what Paul said to the Galatian believers who fell into this trap of, of uh, adhering to the law and, and, and practicing certain things, uh, believing that they would make them uh, earn the blessings of God. In Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3 and 5, we read the following. Listen to what Paul says to them. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish? Having began in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? You see, these believers, they fell into deception. They began well in the Spirit, but they tried to perfect themselves through self-effort. He's saying to them that God works miracles among you and give you His Spirit, not because you keep the law, not because you do certain things, not because of your religious exercises, but because you believed what you heard through the preaching of the gospel. You heard the gospel, you believed the gospel, and as a result, you receive the promise of the Spirit. 
these believers reverted back to the law and tried through their own efforts to earn God's favor and blessing rather than trusting in the finished work of Christ. As a result, of course, they placed themselves back under the curse. Now, this is what happens to believers today who try to earn God's love and his favor through their own religious efforts. They revert back to trusting in themselves and what they can do rather than trusting in the Lord. Now listen, Jeremiah chapter 17 says that cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see good when it comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land which is not inhabited. You see, when we begin to put our confidence in the flesh, in our own efforts, the Word of God says our heart departs from the Lord, and we put ourselves back under the curse. We do that. God doesn't do that. We do that when we place confidence in our own flesh, in our own efforts, rather than in Christ Jesus and what he has already done for us. Philippians chapter 3, verse 3 says it so beautifully in the New Living Translation. Paul says, For we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us, and we put no confidence in human effort. In other words, we have no confidence in the flesh, in our own efforts. We trust the Lord. We walk by faith. Amen? Now, God treats us with favor and mercy on the basis of what Christ Jesus has done for us on our behalf and not on the basis of what you do or don't do. He treats you like you have never sinned. Why? Because Jesus bore your sin on the cross. As a result, God sees you as righteous. He sees you through the blood. He sees you and I through the sacrifice of Christ. He sees you as blameless. He sees you as forgiven. And he sees you as one who has been redeemed from the curse of the Lord. And the more you see yourself as such, the less likely you will be sinning because you enter a place of confidence and rest. You rest in the Lord. You rest in the finished work of Christ. When you truly know that God loves you unconditionally, folks, and treats you like a son or a daughter, and that he's pleased with you, the more confident you will become in your walk, in your expression of life, in the way you do things, and faith will rise up within you to receive the very best that God has for you. This kind of approach and attitude brings you into a place of what the Bible calls rest. Hebrews says, He who believes 
has entered into the rest of God. What a blessed place to be. We work from a place of rest. Amen? We do everything from a place of rest in the Lord. You are at rest because, why? You have ceased from your own efforts. You have ceased from having confidence in what you do. But you rest in Christ in you to live his life through you. And in that place of rest is where we exercise our faith in God. You no longer rely on yourself, but your reliance is in Christ, in you, the hope of glory. You trust the finished work of Christ and you rejoice every single day in that finished work. We don't have to add anything to it. Christ already has declared it is finished. There's nothing more to add. He's done it all. From that place of rest, you obey the word of God, you obey the promptings of the Spirit, and you learn to follow the Spirit's leading and guidance. That is the blessed place of rest that God is calling us to. That's why Hebrews says that we should diligently labor to enter into that rest of God where we cease from our own self-efforts and trust in God day by day, hour by hour, moment by moment for Christ to work in us and through us. I want to take you now to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 10 in order to enhance what we've just been talking about. Paul writing to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 10, he says, But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Notice what he said. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And you and I need to really receive a revelation and an understanding that we are known and we are defined by God's grace. God refuses to know you and he refuses to relate to you in any other way. He does not see you in any other way, but he sees you through the grace. The revelation of this truth ought to fill our hearts with unspeakable joy because God knows us through his grace and in no other way. He says, I am what I am by the grace of God. Amen. You are known and defined by God's grace. And God's grace sees you as the righteousness of God, sees you as one who is accepted in the beloved, sees you as being able to do all things through Christ who strengthens you, sees you as victorious, forgiven, redeemed, and blessed with the blessing of Abraham. Blessed when you go out, blessed when you come in, blessed in the city, blessed in the field. 
That's how God sees you. The blessed of the Lord. Now, he will not relate to you or know you after the flesh. He doesn't know you that way. Not like you and I know each other. You know, the moment you mention a name, you know, and, and then you think and you know him, you picture what he looks like and that's how you know him. No, God doesn't know us in the flesh. He refuses to know us after the flesh. In other words, where you come from in the flesh, what your country was, what your nationality is, and so on and so forth. He only knows you through his grace. He relates to you through his grace. And the Bible says that. He says we ought to know no one after the flesh anymore. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.16. The word says, Therefore from now on we regard no one according to the flesh. In other words, we don't know anyone after the flesh. After your physical appearance uh, or or your, 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 your place of birth, your nationality, you're short, you're tall, you're fat, you're thin, whatever. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet we know him thus no longer. We know Christ after the Spirit. Amen? And we should know one another after the Spirit. We should recognize one another by the grace of God. Relate to one another through the grace of God. God relates to us after the Spirit. We are new creations in Christ, born of His Spirit, having the life and the nature of God in our spirit. We are forgiven. We are redeemed through the blood of His Son. We are accepted in the Beloved and blessed according to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. We are delivered from the dominion of darkness, and according to the word, we brought into the kingdom of his dear son. In other words, God has accepted us in the beloved. No other revelation made such an impact on my spiritual formation than the revelation of God's grace. When I realized that God relates to me through his grace and he knows me by his grace and not what I was, not who I am in the flesh, but who I am in the spirit, that has made such an impact in my attitude, in my spiritual formation, and most of all, in my faith. When the revelation of this truth was brought to my mind by the Spirit of God, the legalistic mindset which, which captivated me or enslaved me was severed, broken. And the cycle of guilt and condemnation was broken over my life. And then my faith began to grow by leaps and bounds. In order to strengthen your faith in the finished work of Christ, listen, you need to go to the Word of God. I keep repeating the same thing over and over again. Find out what God thinks of you. Find out how God sees you. Find out how God relates to you. The revelation of this truth will set you free, especially from feelings and thoughts 
of guilt and unworthiness. It will set you free from fear, from anxieties, and feelings of guilt and condemnation. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. Listen to what the Word says. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the children of God. Therefore the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. Romans 8.32 He who did not spare His own Son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Romans 8.33 Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died, and furthermore is also risen who is even at the right hand of God, and who also makes intercession for us, right this very moment. In John's Gospel, chapter 8, verse 10 and 11, we see here how Jesus rescued this woman from being stoned. He said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? She was caught in adultery. Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And this woman, according to the word of God, she went her way and sinned no more because she found love and acceptance in the heart of Jesus. Do you think that it was difficult for that woman to seek out the Lord? Or to spend time in his presence? Of course not. Because she experienced his unconditional love and forgiveness. Prayer or spending time with God becomes a joyful experience when you know that you know that you are loved unconditionally, you are forgiven and you are appreciated by the one you are praying to and spending time with, whether you read your Bible yesterday, whether you didn't. He still loves you and loves to spend time with you. Amen? God is not giving us what we deserve, folks. He's giving us what Jesus deserves. So when you receive the revelation of God's unconditional love and acceptance, you no longer have a desire to fall back into sin because your heart finds rest, true rest, spiritual rest, mental rest, emotional rest in the love of God. And that love transforms you into the kind of person that God wants you to be, not by self-effort, but by faith in God's grace. The word says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. You see, so many in the household of God are influenced and truly sometimes very hurt 
by what other people think about them and what other people say about them. And the reason being is because they're ignorant of this revelation that I shared with you. In other words, they believe what others say about them rather than believing what God thinks of them. And so many today within the church, they look to the world and its standards for recognition, for affirmation, not knowing that the world has no idea who they are. If you're a child of God, the Bible says the world does not know you. So how is it that you look to the world to give you some kind of identity or affirmation? Listen to what John says. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. Therefore the world does not know us because it did not know him. Did you hear that? The world has no idea who you really are and what you're capable of. They don't know you, so stop looking to the world for recognition. Amen? And don't believe what the world says about you. What matters is what God has already spoken over your life and what he thinks of you and what he thinks of you are capable of. The word says nothing is impossible for those who believe. Amen? So look to God. Let's look to the Lord for what we really need. Affirmation, acceptance, love, recognition. Because the Father thinks the world of you folks. And that's the message I want to communicate to you today. Learn to see yourself, to recognize and know yourself the way God knows you through his grace and not through the flesh and not through the opinions of others. And when you really believe that, your heart will enter into a place that is called God's rest because you believe. And in that place of rest, you are able to live the kind of life that God expects you to. You shine wherever you go. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for what you have accomplished for each one of us who believe through Christ Jesus our Lord. We thank you, Lord, that there is nothing we do or can do that will add anything to what Christ has already done. The work is done. It is finished. Our salvation is complete. We don't have to add to it. Thank you. All we need to do is receive by faith all that you have blessed us and all that you have given to us through your grace. We appreciate you, we thank you, and we give you praise, Father. Let these truths of your word sink deep down in our spirits, fill our minds with the realities of heaven, and teach us how to spend our time focusing, meditating, and speaking of these realities, because they are the truth. 
and knowing the truth will set us free from every diabolical limitation. Thank you that you've delivered us from the curse. You brought us into the blessing. And we decree and declare today that the blessing of the Lord is at work mightily in our families, in our places of work, in our neighborhood, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.